In Matthew 4.19, Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Join us in this conversation as we discuss following Jesus, leadership, and doing life with others. Welcome to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. Hey everybody, this is Mark Danzi, and I want to say again, thanks for listening to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. If you're listening to this, it's because you're interested in being all that God has uh, created you to be, to grow into the fullness of Christ. And every year we have a conference here at Mount Pisgah, and this year our conference is Empowered, Grow into the Fullness of Christ. And we want to invite you to be a part of this. Uh, Stephen Machia will be here, he'll be our presenter, he's a conference speaker, a ministry coach, a spiritual director, and it's going to be Friday, August 23rd. 7 to 9 p.m. and Saturday, August 24th, 9 a.m. to noon. So often we are working and volunteering and serving, and it actually can leave us exhausted at the end of the day, but this isn't the kind of life that the Lord envisioned for us. Actually, our serving, our working should be a fulfilling, enriching experience. You can go to our website uh, and get more information, mountpisgah.org backslash empowered. We really hope to see you there and uh, join us as we get empowered. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the 419 Disciple Makers Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today because you are going to walk away encouraged and inspired due to our guest. And uh, she is a great friend of mine. I've watched her ministry for years. Her name is Valerie Deal. Welcome, Valerie. Thank you, Mark. It's so good to be here today. Well, I'm, we're all glad that you're here because you. Um, you have a wealth of uh, information and encouragement for us all, I know. Um, I have I heard today that you were on the radio uh, <laughs> in the Atlanta, Georgia market. Um, well, were you being interviewed or something? What was up with that? I was driving to work this morning, and they were talking about how people won't ask for help, um, especially you men uh, don't seem to want to ask for help. Well, thought, yeah, of course. Why would we? <laughs> y'all don't even ask for directions. <laughs> and um, so they were just kind of talking a little bit about the difference between men and women. And then they asked, he said, listeners, what do y'all think? Why won't people ask oh, for Oh, so you help? were like a call-in or something. I was a call-in. <laughs> so as soon as they asked that, I mean, that's right down my wheelhouse, right? Yeah. And so I called right away. The phone rang, which meant, mm, maybe I'm going to get through. And they answered the phone, and there was just a short little um, blurb of uh, why I feel that people don't come ask for help. And uh, and it got put out. So How about that? Yeah. So you're on the radio in Atlanta today, and now you're on a podcast being recorded. I, How about that? I think God was warming it up. I think so. <laughs> well, we're glad that you're here. Uh, Valerie is the uh, caring pastor uh, at, at the church where we serve. And so the good news about her, she cares, so we don't have to. <laughs> Just kidding. No, she uh, She's over uh, working with folks who are hurting. And in discipleship, that is so... Mm. So important. I've always believed that any given night that my men are together in my discipleship group or your women are together Mm -hmm. in yours, that about 20% of them are in crisis. Mm -hmm. Have you seen that? I do because life happens. Oh, boy. You know, I mean, that could be a bumper sticker, right? Yeah. Life just happens. And so, yeah, we're always um, in some kind of crisis or transition. Yeah, transition um, is a good word. all, All the time. Yeah, and hopefully it's not the same twenty percent each week in the in the group, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, right. It, it moves around, but but being sensitive to that, I think, is what we want to talk with about today, mostly. Right. Um, but before we get into all that, because everybody's going to want to, if you're on the treadmill or in traffic, you're going to want to take some notes here from what Valerie's going to share with us in her extensive um, uh, training in um, in just being able to listen and care and counsel. 
I think it's going to be really good stuff. Um, but before we get into that, tell us a little bit about you. Um, you came right out of the womb a, a Christian, right? I, of course. <laughs> I was I was born in Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Um, I went, amazingly, uh, my sister and I walked ourselves to church every Sunday without our parents. Wow. And so our church was, uh, we lived a mile from my grandma. And our church was two blocks from Grandma's house, and Cindy was and, it over the hill and through the woods. Yeah, almost, okay. almost. We just didn't have the stream, um, <laughs> so we would walk ourselves down to to the church that I grew up in, uh, where I accepted Christ at the age of ten and had a believer's baptism. And mm. um, Mom and Dad finally started coming to church probably when I was about in fifth or sixth grade. We went to a new church where they got more involved, and so my my later years they were they were involved. But I I was uh, you led the way. I was well in that particular instance. I guess we did. I so never thought of you that. You started out as a leader. You're still a leader well, in the church, right? Well, I, the church has always been a, just a passion of mine. Yeah. So when growing up, um, I was kind of a church junkie. If I didn't have anything to do, I got in my little Volkswagen bug and ran up to the church and sat in the sanctuary. I just, wow. I just always. Like as a teenager and stuff? Yeah. Wow. I, I just have always loved um, being in the church. And so God called me into ministry about 17 years, uh, when I was about 17 years old. And I said yes. And I started down that road, but gosh, something just clicked inside of me and I got very scared and I ran from it. Hmm. For quite a few years, and um, I've read about people like that in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's a few of them, and I'm so thankful for their stories. All those people in the Bible, and you, right? And, yeah, yeah, and, and and many of us, right? Yeah, right. Um, one of the the stories that I love the most about someone who ran from the Bible is is Jacob, because Jacob gave us um, his story. We got permission to wrestle with God, and uh, we might limp for the rest of our lives, yeah. but that that's a reminder of our wrestling that came into wonderful aspects of our life. That and is I, cool. I feel like because of those years that I kind of ran from him and denied his calling and wrestled with him through some yeah. of that, I I I, I limp yeah. some ways, but some ways that now feed into ministry because I understand some things. Wow. You know, I was my grandson. Hey, shout out to my grandson. Hey. I was baptized. He's four months old um, this Sunday, and we went to the church, and the pastor brought all the families in, and he said that, I've never heard this before. This is what he said to the families. He looked at the mommies, and he said, look, if the baby starts kicking and screaming and crying, it's okay. And he said, <laughs> he said if the baby sits there solemn, it's okay. Whatever happens is okay, because we all come to Christ differently. And it's just mm. remembrance that some of us come to Christ kicking and screaming and crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's thought, exactly right. That's perfect. That's exactly right. So you got this call of God at 17, fear took over and other stuff, whatever, and you uh, ran from that call. When did you come back to that re- realizing that God had a call on your life? Probably um, I was 30 years old. Okay. So I uh, during that 12-year period, I... Um, Got married and divorced, mm. had a child uh, during my marriage, mm-hmm. um, spent a few years in behaviors that I did not know I was even capable of. Who is this person? Right? Yeah, and, and that's what I did. I looked in the mirror and I thought, I, I don't even know who you are anymore. Mm. So I felt like I kind of led a double life. I led the life that I, I thought that I could and would. I was a good mom and I was a single mom for eight years and, and devoted all all of my time to my son. But when I played, I played hard. Mm-hmm. 
um, and became this dual person that was very difficult and depressing to live with. Mm. So um, long story short, um, I, I was just at my wit's end and thought, this is not living life. Yeah. Where's where's the purpose, the fulfillment? Where's the the joy? And I knew what that joy was. I'd lived with it. You'd had it before, right? Yeah, and I, I was hungry, so mm-hmm. hungry for it again. So about 30, God um, led me down this uh, Nesbitt Ferry Road, and I saw this little church. And I thought, I think I'll go there and walked into Mount Pisgah and with Grady and um, my son, and we joined after about a couple of months of coming here. And uh, so that was in uh, November of 90. Okay. Um, had been dating a, a guy that we had broken up. And he came down to my apartment in January of 91 and um, wanted to get back together. And I said, well, you got to quit drinking and know Jesus. Well, he quit drinking miraculously. In that order. Yeah. It, in that order. Um, and then he started coming to church with us and came to know the Lord, and we oh, were yeah. married later. So um, that all, that was all in, in 91, and along with um, three months after we were married, his daughter was killed in a car accident. Oh, God. And so we just kind of were baptized by fire yeah. um, real quick in 91. He came to know the Lord. He quit drinking. I really gave my life back to the Lord Um we were married, tried to blend a family. You know what that's like. You've done mm-hmm. that. It's really yeah. challenging. So there were just a lot of things that God taught me in life that I've always been a learner of life. Mm-hmm. I always want to know. I want to watch your life and what can I learn from what's going on in your life and yeah. then watch. You know, it's just it's fascinating. Um, I'm more of a life learner than a book learner. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like that's where the richness of everything comes together. And um, and so life was amazing for us that very first year. And uh, we got through that. And, and then in 92, God gave me a second chance of ministry by coming on staff here at Mount Pisgah. And uh, I've been in discipleship, evangelism, and caring How about um, ever that? since then. So. Well, God is a God of second chances, isn't he? A thousandth chance. A thousandth chance. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the message that resonated and resonates with so many is that, you know, God doesn't give up on us. No. He gives us second chances and thirds and fourths. I don't know how many chances we all get, but I know this, that that it's usually more than we deserve, and we can't believe how good and patient God yeah. is to us. He is the hound of heaven. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he really, I mean, if he's, if he's got purpose. Yeah. He is not going to let us go. Well, he loves us too much. He, very much yeah, so. To see us go flame out somewhere. Very right? much yeah. so. Well, so in your position, um, we're listening, a lot of the folks listening today um, are folks who are interested in the Great Commission lifestyle mm-hmm. of how do I live my life uh, making disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, who at the end of that actually know how to make disciples mm-hmm. themselves. So, mm-hmm. again, of course, it transfers, it multiplies. And that's really the... the um, the focus of this weekly is to encourage you to live out the Great Commission as a lifestyle because it's the last thing Jesus told the disciples really to do uh, in the book of Matthew mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah. Right. So what have you seen uh, as effective, Valerie, in working with people who are who are going through a crisis? And, and let, me ask, let me qualify it with this. So many of us know how to teach the Bible or we know how to pray for people or we know how to facilitate a conversation but when somebody comes in that's really hurting, mm-hmm. 
uh, we we often feel either like we're going to mess them up, give them bad advice. We're not going to, we don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you recommend? What do you see that works? I think that, that some sometimes we as Christians think that um, because we have Jesus, life is supposed to just all be healed. You know, yeah. it's all supposed to be wonderful. And so I feel like sometimes we... Um, emotionally, um, someone's on an operating room table, emotionally having surgery done on them, and we expect them to just get up off the table and walk away mm-hmm. while they're still bleeding emotionally. Yeah, we would, if they were physically on an operating table, we wouldn't expect them to Not get up at all. They would, lunch, right? they would get stitched back up. They would um, spend some time in recovery. They might have some physical re, uh, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's steps and procedures in their healing. I don't know that we do that very well sometimes, even in discipleship, because until someone gains the healing, for instance, um, part of my um, testimony is that I don't, I didn't know my biological father for so long. And there's there's some scars from that. And I needed to work through that. And in working through that, God gave me this wonderful message that I have been made in his image. It didn't matter that I didn't know what I look, why I looked the way I do. Hmm. It didn't matter that my biological father was absent um, because he was that perfect heavenly father. Wow. But if I didn't wrestle with that with God, if I didn't be aware of it, if I didn't um, talk to some folks about it, if I didn't let yeah. that be processed through, yeah. I wouldn't have gained that. I would have lost that. And that's a key word, I think, for us is process. Yes, it's de- definitely process because in in God's in God's ways and His patterns that we see, mm-hmm. it's always about the process. Because if you look at the Israelites, yeah, they they journeyed for forty years because there was a huge process they needed. Yeah, and they, they called it the desert, but it was really God's perfecting process. Absolutely. Um, it's it's in Stephen ministry training we we go through something that's called process versus results, hmm. and where we really want to focus on someone's um, ability to process with God rather than get well, and that's what we often look for in, in discipleship. Even is we talk to someone and we expect the results to be that when they get up and leave us, they've got some answers. Yeah, and they they you know they're they're. We fixed you up. You're ready to go. The problem is fixed. (laughs) And a lot of times, uh, I just have have gone through a a bit of a hard time with a a family member, and I'm totally convinced that there was some months of silence Mm -hmm. because God needed the process, at least for me, God needed the process to bring me to some realities about some things that I could then talk with them about. Yeah, it's the joy in the journey, I I think, uh, to quote Michael Card. Um, it, I find it interesting that the that the Israelites you mentioned were in the wilderness for forty years, and then of course after Jesus' baptism, he's called to the wilderness for forty days. Mm. And um, of course, we take the forty days over the forty years, yeah. but, yeah. but for some of us, it was twenty years or ten years. Or, yeah. You know, the timing is is all up to God. Um, but the fact is, is that he, he, the way I think we're wired as humans is to process our pain on the outside. We're we're to talk to somebody. Yes. That's why he said, that's why James said, confess your sins to one yes. another and pray, you'll be healed. But we tend to process them internally, hold it in, 
And what we realize is, is we're going to process it. We're going to process this with somebody else eventually mm-hmm. because we can't just hold it all in. Well, I think uh, uh, that's where I am so passionate about vulnerability um, because truly to be a discipleship leader, yep. to be a covenant group leader, to be um, uh, in any type of one-on-one time with anyone, there's a place of vulnerability that we're going to have to choose. Mm-hmm. Whether that's being vulnerable with the other person as the the caregiver, yeah. whether that's being willing to be vulnerable with the person you've come to talk to with your issue, or even being vulnerable with God, are we really being honest with God? Mm-hmm. So vulnerability is such an important place. And if we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, so for instance, Mark, if I'm coming to you because I've got an issue, if mm-hmm. I'm not willing to be vulnerable with you, confess my issue, mm-hmm. um, a weakness that I have, a problem that I have, a transition that I have, um, a disappointment that I have, a loss of dream that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not willing to be vulnerable with you in sharing that, then I've lost an opportunity for healing. Yeah. You're not going to be healed. It's just the way it works. Right? No, it's right. Because Satan loves our secrets. He can do so much Ugh. with our secrets. Boy. He can just destroy us. So the more we hold in, yeah. the more he destroys us. Now, we've got to be careful with who we go to. We've yeah. got to find those trusted resources and those trusted people. So I'm not saying we just go throw up to the world, yeah. <laughs> um, but we do find those people that are where the Holy Spirit leads us that would have spiritual wisdom and discernment and, and a loving way in which to approach us. Yeah, but you know, Valerie, you know it, and and I know it, everybody listening knows that the reality is, is we all walk around with these masks on. All the time. And we try to project, I, I'm, I've, I'm good, you good, I'm fine, I'm fine, you're fine. You know, it's kind of the usual greeting. Yes. How you doing? Fine, fine, fine. Um, and the reality is, is that we're trying to project that we're fine, but there, not every day, not, it's not like every Tuesday I'm in pain, but uh, there are challenges in my life from time to time that I have got to share with somebody. Yeah. And you said it's secrets. Um, I know in my experiences, coaching men and, and all and, and discipling men, is that when they share secrets, I, I hear so many times people lead a sentence with, I've never told anybody mm-hmm. this. And I always think you're about to get healed. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> you know, uh, and 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 it happens. Mm-hmm. People share what's in their mm-hmm. heart, the, and it comes out, and God uses it for His their good and His glory. And and I'm so glad to hear you say that. Well, I, you know, God didn't create Adam and then say, "Okay, you're you're good all by yourself." There is something innately within us that was created within us even before the fall of the world that we needed someone else to talk to. That's why Adam asked for, for a companion. Mm-hmm. And, and of course we look at Eve as, as more than just a, um, someone to talk to and it, she was, but that's ingrained in us. It's, it's built within us from the, from the, the perfect creation of us from the garden. It's yeah. been built in us to need each other. For more information, check out our website, 419disciplemakers.org. Join us again next week as we continue our conversation on the 419 Disciple Makers podcast.